This is Cross Hope with Randy Snyder. Cross Hope is broadcast daily and shares five minutes of hope and encouragement from the Word of God. Our companion website is www.crosshope.org. Now with today's uplifting message, here's Randy. Well, since today is the beginning of Thanksgiving week 2019, we thought we'd share a Thanksgiving message that would be appropriate for all this week on Cross Hope. Hope you have a blessed Thanksgiving on Thursday, and we want you to share this Thanksgiving message from Matthew all this week. God bless you. Thanks for listening to Cross Hope. Sheila is from New Hampshire. I don't think of, and I don't know why I say this, but I don't think of New England as a hotbed for evangelical Christianity, but there are believers everywhere and people who trust in the Lord and with all their hearts, souls, and minds. But I was touched by this story written by Sheila from New Hampshire. Four years ago, my husband of 28 years died. I felt that part of me had died. And if it were not for a firm faith in the Lord, I don't think I could have carried on as a single mom through many challenges. We had floods. We had trees come through our roof after a huge storm. There are other trees that were downed in our yard. Children being sick, teens suffering from depression, wandering and rebellion. We were people who needed a home and had children who needed a dad who could no longer be there. Job changes, many home repairs, which I had never done before. Each and every challenge was difficult, but God sent help and finances when they were needed. God provided when sometimes there didn't seem to be a way for him to do so. I do believe that God created the world, and it's not just formed randomly through a mass explosion. He longs for a relationship with the people he created, us. In this relationship I have, God has continued to allow me to keep on keeping on through prayer, praising Him, and reading the Word of God. Every time I felt I couldn't go on, God gave me a friend to help, a word of encouragement, or a new job to fit my schedule. All this was possible only because Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died on the cross so that I could be forgiven and have a relationship with the God who made me. I thank God every day for His continual provision. I want to talk to you on the Sunday before Thanksgiving about the compassion of God. We'll talk about what that means, because it means something far deeper than you think it does. And the word provision, that you and I serve a God who is compassionate, but a God who provides. Let me tell you why. The most important thing I'm going to say this morning, right now, I believe that one of Satan's great deceptions in your life and in my life is to try to get me to believe that God can't or God won't provide for the things I need. Listen to that again. One of the biggest lies of Satan is to get me to believe, to get you to believe that God can't or he won't provide for that which you need in life. We've got people in all three services who look to the corporate America as their provider. We have people in all three services looking to the government as their provider. We have people in every service who look to themselves as the provider. It's all up to me because some of you were raised to believe that, that somehow it's all up to you. If it's to be, it's up to me. It's a lie from the pit. It really is. Because today, on the Sunday before Thanksgiving, we're going to look at a miracle called the feeding of the 4,000, not the 5,000. That was a couple chapters ago. We didn't even talk about it then. But today, on the Sunday before Thanksgiving, we're going to look at the second miracle, like that, the feeding of the 4,000. 
where Jesus fed miraculously 4,000 people. And here's what it says. He did it because he had compassion on the people. And he had the capacity to provide. It's in the 15th chapter of Matthew. Well, we'll continue with the reading tomorrow, first thing, as we begin Tuesday's program on Crosshope of Matthew 15, talking about the compassion and the capacity of Jesus to meet our needs this Thanksgiving week, 2019. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Well, today we begin with the complete reading of the text from Matthew 15, a Thanksgiving message for Thanksgiving week, 2019, given about the feeding of the 4,000. You may wonder, what's that have to do with Thanksgiving? It has to do with God's compassion and God's capacity to bless you. That's something to be thankful for. God bless you as you listen to part two today. Jesus left there and went along the Sea of Galilee. Then he went up on a mountainside and sat down. Why did he sit down? To teach. Teachers back then would sit down to teach. Great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, and the mute, and many others, and laid them at his feet, and he healed them. People were amazed when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled made well, the lame walking, and the blind seeing. That's the understatement of the century. They were amazed. And they praised the God of Israel. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They've already been with me three days and have had nothing to eat. I don't want to send them away hungry or they may collapse on the way. You go without food for three days and you are at risk for collapsing. Some of you feel like you're going to collapse if you miss lunch, let alone three days. And Jesus literally had a legitimate concern about them. Verse 33, his disciples answered, where could we get enough bread in this remote place to feed such a crowd? How many loaves do you have? Jesus asked. Seven, they replied, and a few small fish. He told the crowd to sit down on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves and the fish, and when he had given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples, and they in turn to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was 4,000, besides women and children, meaning we're probably talking 12,000 or more people. Albert Schweitzer was a great man in history. And he said something I totally disagree with, even though I believe he probably was sincere in what he said. He talks about this incident and the feeding of the 5,000 as well. And he said, let me tell you what probably really happened. Jesus didn't do anything miraculous. Jesus probably took the food that he had, that the disciples had, and he broke them into small crumbs and pieces, and they gave the pieces to everyone. And that's the miracle that everybody shared, a crumb or a piece of fish. Folks, it would take a lot of crumbs to feed 12,000 people, a lot of small pieces of fish to feed 12,000 people. I believe this was a miracle of the creator of the universe. That's what it was. When you're the creator, Jesus would say this, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If that statement is true, and only if it's true, then feeding 4,000 or 12,000 people a small change is nothing to him. It's interesting to me in studying the Gospel of Matthew and the other Gospels, Jesus never looked at people as a nuisance. I don't want to be melodramatic here, but there are people in this room today, you look at your family as a nuisance, and you know it in your heart. 
There are men who look at their wives and children as a nuisance. There are wives who look at their husbands and their children as a nuisance. Jesus never looked at people as a nuisance, as a problem. And people flocked to Jesus. People crowded around him. And this may sound like a stupid question. It really does. What do you do with the crowds of people around you? You say, I don't have crowds. Yeah, you do. You have any kids? You have any grandchildren? You have coworkers at work? Do you have neighbors? Do you have friends? Everyone has a crowd of people, whether it's two or three or 20 or 30 or 200. People that, in a sense, flock around you or crowd around you. What do you do with your flock? Everyone has a crowd of people, whether it's two or three or 20 or 30 or 200. People that, in a sense, flock around you or crowd around you. What do you do with your flock? Do you look at people as a nuisance or do you look at them as an opportunity for you to bless their lives? It will change your way of thinking and looking at people if you get up every morning and say, God is going to bring somebody into my life today for the express purpose that I can bless them. Give you a new way of looking at your life. Take away some of the depression, maybe not all of it, but take away some of your depression to realize that God's going to bring somebody in my life that may be one of my own children. It may be a grandchild. It may be a friend, a neighbor, a relative, a co-worker. But I have an opportunity to bless them today. If God created the universe, don't you think it's possible for him to engineer situations in your life to bring people into your sphere of influence so you could be a blessing? That's a new way of looking at life because it's a new way of looking at the crowd, the people who flock around you. Verse 31, the people were amazed when they saw the mute speaking the crippled made well, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they praised the God of Israel. Let me talk to you about that a minute. We'd say, oh, wouldn't it be great to have those kinds of things happen today? May I suggest to you they do on a spiritual level? I've known husbands who came to Christ who looked at their wife with new eyes of the day they gave their lives to Christ. They never saw her the same way again. Women who changed the way they looked at their families Children changed the way they looked at their parents. Why? Because the Lord gave them eyes to see that which they could never see before. God gives vision. What about making people walk, the lame and the crippled? God gives capacities to people who never thought they had the capacity to do things like forgive. Did you know forgiveness is a capacity that God gives you? You think you generate that on your own? You don't. Neither do I. God gives you. It's a gift from God to give you the capacity to forgive people in your life. You don't have what it takes to forgive. Neither do I. You never did have what it takes. It's a capacity that only God gives to people. He does these things, in my opinion, today. And then I want you to look at verse 32. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. I don't want to send them away hungry, or they may collapse on the way. The word compassion is a word that's a little indelicate to talk about in the Greek, because I'm a word guy, and I always want to know what words mean. It has to do with your bowels. It's literally what the meaning of the word is. Jesus felt something in his gut, to put it bluntly. Have you ever had those kinds of feelings where there was something that stirred you to the core and you you said, I feel it right here. That's where the seat of emotions was thought to be 
in your gut, so to speak. And that's why people use that phraseology back then. And God had compassion on the people. Get this, it was compassion that motivated him to do something. A lot of people feel compassion. You say, what'd you do about it? Nothing. A lot of people feel sad for situations. What'd you do about it? Not a thing. Just went on with my life. I'm thankful that Jesus had compassion enough to do something, and he provided through his provision for the physical needs of people. You've got to believe that God is either my provider or he's not. Well, I trust that that thought will stay with you tomorrow on Thanksgiving Day, that God is our provider. In fact, we're going to talk about that tomorrow on Thanksgiving Day, how that one of God's titles is Jehovah Jireh, which means God is my provider. I hope you believe that this Thanksgiving 2019. I'm convinced that one of the most dramatic moments in a man's life or a woman's life is when they believe that Hebrew term, Jehovah Jireh, God is my provider. Change everything that you think about things in life. When you recognize that God is your provider, corporate America isn't my provider. The government is not my provider. Other people aren't my provider. I'm not my provider. But the Lord, the Lord God is my provider. Some of you remember Mother Teresa. You may have not have known this about her, that her ministry took her to Calcutta, India, and she was in charge of feeding 20,000 people a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Some of you complained because your in-laws showed up on Friday night. She had to feed 20,000 people every day, every week, every month, every year. She tells a powerful story about how one day one of the sisters came to her and said, Mother Teresa, there's no more rice for Friday or Saturday. We're going to have to tell the people we simply don't have it. I was surprised, she said, because in all my years I'd never heard this before. On that Friday morning at about 9 a.m., a truck full of bread, thousands of loaves of bread arrived. Nobody in Calcutta could tell me why the government closed the schools that day, but the schools were closed. And all the bread was brought to us for two days. And for two days, that's what we fed people. Bread, bread, bread. I knew why God closed the schools. He closed the schools because he wanted our people to know that they were more important than the grass, the birds, and the flowers of the fields. They're special to him. Those thousands of people had to know that he loved them. He cared for them. This is the repeated evidence of a tender love, the tender thoughtfulness of God himself for his people. May I share an announcement with you today? The same God that provided for 20,000 people every day, seven days a week, is the same God who can provide for you. And you say, well, that's a little naive. I'd like to believe that, but I can't. Why not? Do you know why people say I won't believe that? Because they decide not to believe it. They make a choice, an act of the will. I'm not going to believe that. And I want to ask you to make the choice today to say, I do believe that. That the God of compassion who feels compassion for our needs is the God who can provide. I love what happens here. Jesus said in verse 35, he told the crowd to sit down on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves and the fish, and when he had given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples, and they in turn to the people. Look at verse 37. They all ate and were satisfied. They all ate and were satisfied. I find it remarkable. 
that Jesus not only multiplies the food, but he gives thanks to the Father for it. I'm not legalistic about saying grace. Please don't leave here saying, well, Randy says we have to pray. I mean, we have to pray every time we eat. I'm not saying that legalistically. But you know what bothers me is there's some men in here who've never thanked God for a meal in their life. And there are women who've never thanked God for anything in their life. That's what bothers me. Not that we legalistically have to do something every time we eat, but it's an acknowledgement of who the provider is. You know what happens when you start acting and talking and thinking like God's the provider? I have a notion. He says, I am your provider. I, I will. When you look to him as your provider, he responds. Well, that may just be the most important message that I could give you on Thanksgiving Day 2019. To look to God as your provider, not just talk about him as the provider for the world in general, but he's your provider personally, in particular. His name is Jesus. God bless you on this Thanksgiving Day 2019. I shared a story at the end of the first two services that several people said, that's my story. That's what I went through. I mean, I'm talking older people, people 75 and 80 told me this is their story. It's told by Carolyn from Topeka, Kansas. My mother's drinking may have been initially what brought me to the world of 12-step recovery. However, I realized that early in the process that the event that most initiated what I had been battling all my life was my parents' divorce. It broke my heart, left me feeling helpless and insignificant. Nobody asked me about their plans to ruin our family and ruin my life. They just did it. I cried at my desk at school for months. I was sad and angry and then stayed sad and angry. I couldn't do anything about it. I couldn't change anything. My dad, whom I adored and whose little girl I was, had gone away to live with another woman and her children. Nothing would ever be right again. As a family, we were more than just the sum of us as individuals. We were a whole, more than the sum of its parts, and then we were parts again. But the parts were not a part of anything anymore. Everything that was our world was over, and there was no instruction booklet given to me as a child. When mom and dad split up, the train derailed and it would never get back on the track. There was no one to walk with me through the maze. It tore apart the core of my soul. It hurt and it hurt and then it hurt some more. I didn't know how to talk about it. Nobody asked me how I felt about it. Nobody asked me how I was doing. Nobody told me why it was happening. Nobody said, what's your input on the situation? With a lot of hard work and the help of my church, I finally have grieved the loss of my family and have moved on with my life. It has taken me 50 years. And every time I hear a man say, well, my family's not impacted by my choice or decision, they need to talk to Carolyn in Topeka, Kansas. Every time I've heard a wife or mother say, well, they'll, they'll get over it. They'll, they'll survive this situation. They need to talk to Carolyn in Topeka, Kansas how that she was impacted for 50 years, and the reality is there's some of you that have been impacted for 10 and 20 and 30 and 40 years by some decision your parents made. And you know that's true. What's my point? To wallow in that? No. To realize that ultimately you have got to look as your heavenly Father as your provider. 
You may have had an earthly father that showed no compassion, no provision whatsoever, but you have a heavenly father who does, and it's demonstrated by what happened in Matthew 15. He had compassion on the people, and he provided for his needs. So today, the Sunday before Thanksgiving, what I'm going to ask you to do is sometime this week, maybe Thursday, get alone. Look up to heaven, bow your head, doesn't matter. Get on your knees, stand up, whatever, and say, God, I recognize you're the provider. You know what will happen if you do that? Something will come into your spirit that has never been there before. I really believe that. I don't mean that magically or hocus pocus, but something will come into your spirit and my spirit when we acknowledge that God is the provider, the God of compassion, who feels who feels what we're going through, who can identify and who loves us more than we love ourselves. He cares, and he's your provider. Don't ever forget that. Let's pray together. Well, next week on Cross Hope, we'll resume the sermon series we've been in for a number of weeks in the book of Joshua. I trust that this message spoke to you this week about thanksgiving and looking to God as not only your redeemer and sustainer, but as your provider. Our website, of course, is crosshope.org. That's one word, crosshope.org, to hear this message again or any other message you'd like to hear on Crosshope. You've been listening to Cross Hope with Randy Snyder. For more information about this ministry or to re-listen to any message heard on this broadcast, go to our website at crosshope.org. Be sure to join us at this same time each weekday or listen at www.crosshope.org. Cross Hope is listener-supported and is produced by Cross Hope Ministries, Incorporated.